Good afternoon from Southeast Asia. <clears throat> this will be... <coughs> Jesus makes me do it. This will be episode or volume number 19 of the A uh, Asian... <laughs> I almost did it again. Of the Southeast Asian... Southeast Asia Chronicle podcast things. Good God. <laughs> Some antibiotics, uh, they do something to your brain. I don't know what, but it ain't nice. Been off now for 48 hours, and I'm getting better, but... Yeah, I took a couple of loops around Neptune there, you know, courtesy of some really exotic antibiotics. <clears throat> it wasn't even fun. Wasn't scenic either. Okay. We are trying to help you decide if you want to escape the quote-unquote matrix in your beautiful, relaxing, perfect Western country and go somewhere else like Southeast Asia. I can't tell you what it's like in South Africa. Don't know. Mostly don't care. Uh, but I can tell you what it's like in Southeast Asia. <clears throat> and that's what we're doing. We're trying to help you figure out if you can afford to go there. Do you want to go there? What's it going to be like when you get there? Are you going to like it? Hate it? you going to go back home in three months? I've been here so long that I, I don't consider... I considered the USA my home by a factor of about 5% until I went back the last time last year. Uh, now it's zero. It's not my home. It's some alien place. I barely recognize it. It's a zombie apocalypse. Who makes up the zombies? Well, the zombies and the government equally. They're both at about the same level of stupidity. So I don't, if I have any home, it's Southeast Asia. All of it, I guess. I don't know. I, oh, yeah, whatever. Okay, so <clears throat> we're just, we're being overloaded with these questions from each previous episode. I haven't even downloaded the batch from the last one. Jeez. Um, People are asking me, why is it so hot in your studio? You're always wiping your face. What the hell? You got air conditioners, right? Well, yeah, we do. We got two of them. Uh, it's, a, it's a tiny little concrete bunker thing on the top of a building in downtown. And yeah, we got two well-functioning air conditioners, but we can only run the one, the little one, the smallest one, in another room because if we run the one in this room, then the, the level of room noise becomes prohibitive and we can't get rid of that much ambient noise. Uh, God, if you listen to the old alien tapes, uh, especially the old ones, the, the noise was just horrific. A lot of those were made in a, in a, in a huge uh, five-story concrete shop house thing had, uh, I can't remember, seven air conditioners, something like that. Most of them were going all the time, could not shut them off. They could barely keep up. They're always on full, always on high. Had fans going everywhere, could not shut them off. 
uh, and, the, and the ambient noise level was through the roof. So anyway, that's why we can only run one here. We got to run it in the other room. And then we've got a, a super quiet, <clears throat> supposedly, quote unquote, specialty fan that moves some air from that room into this room and blows it right on me. And still, this is the best we can do. It's hot. It's, uh, I don't know, it's probably lower 90s right in this room. I don't know. And so, yeah, face, face wiping is it's just it's just going to continue forever and ever i guess i don't know I, I know we're pretty creative but that's the best we can do that's why okay you you ask and we answer okay now in the last one we were talking about <clears throat> some experiences in laos i roamed laos for quite a while uh and i like it kind of Shockingly backwards, shockingly poor. Slow. Slow. Everything is slow. Oh, man. If you're a person who likes to get anything done in Lao, maybe it's not the place for you. You, well, every place in Southeast Asia is going to be slower, except maybe Manila. Bangkok is pretty peppy. That's about it. Pretty much everything else is slow. But Lao is another four levels slower. So think about that if you're if you're starting to think about Lao. <clears throat> um, if you can acclimate to it, it can be okay. But it's a hard thing for a Westerner to do. Westerners, even if you're living on a chicken farm out in the middle of Utah, you're operating too fast, probably, at, at, a, at a too high level, probably, to just slip right into life in Lao without acclimating to it and slowing down another quite a bit, quite a bit more. Lao is slow. Is it the slowest place I know of in Southeast Asia? Um, I don't know. There's places in Central Vietnam that are. Yeah, they're that slow, yeah. There's places... I, I don't think any place in Thailand is that slow. Even out in Isan. Uh, if you want super, 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 super slow, where the people aren't bad, usually, where they think slow, and they act slow, and they decide slow, and they choose slow, that's slow. If you... Like really nice people. Some some of the best people I ever met in all of Southeast Asia were in Lao. They're called the Hmong. Hmong. You, you, there's an H in front of that. It's it's almost silent. Hmong. I'm saying it, but it's you know normally you would say Hmong. No, it's not Hmong. It's Hmong. <laughs> M-U-N-G. Uh, they were mountain people, um, farmers. The Vietnam War, we, the Americans, bombed the living Jesus Christ out of them. Fucked them up. Really fucked them up. Really fucked them up bad. In exchange, we moved an awful lot of them into the U.S. Uh, they were born to farm. I mean, Pol Pot should have gone and, and gotten those people. 
they, all of the ones that I've met, now I, people maybe have other stories, I don't know, but I've met them, I've met quite a lot of them in different contexts, in different countries, and all, all, not most, all, to date, of the ones I've met were some of the nicest, most honest people I've ever met anywhere else in the world. Uh, if you want to go to a really, 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 really slow place and be around really, really good people, do more research on the Hmong in Laos. I think there's some in Vietnam also. They tend to live in the higher mountain areas and they just farm. They just mind their own business and they farm. Smart. Smart. I think they're probably aliens. I don't know. <laughs> Uh, okay, so we were telling stories about Lao last time, and I and I said in this episode we get one more we got to tell, and then I don't know I'll, I'll lay off Lao stories at least for a while. Um, I was in Lao one time, and I was in the the central region again because that was the the region that I knew. I went this time without a guide. Um, got a different motorbike had most of its lights <laughs> is still a piece of shit but, um i don't know how they think they can rent these things but they do anyway this one had the brakes were either on or off <laughs> you downshift downshift and downshift to get going as slow as you can and then you lock up that rear brake and you slide to stop you just touch it and it locks, you know. That's, that's all there was. It was on or off. One or zero, you know. That's all there was. And uh, anyway, so I was tooling around on that thing, and I was in central Laos. I was headed over to the Vietnam border, pre presuming the motorbike was going to wheeze that far. And I stopped someplace, and I don't even know where. I was hungry. I cannot remember where it was. It's a very central part of Laos. And there was an intersection. I was on the highway, which is just a two-lane road. That's that's as good as I get. That's all there is. Um, and, and houses are built up, you know, almost to the road. That's a really big problem. I'll digress just for a second. All those houses have kids and chickens and goats and dogs and what, you know, they have everything, but they have a lot of kids, big ones, little ones, every age. And they play in the front yards all day, all day. Some places have schools, some don't. Um, and these kids, well, they're little kids, okay? They're little kids. They, they're doing what little kids do. They're kicking balls and the balls run into the highway and they don't look, they just run out there. And it's a fairly busy highway, uh, mostly with, uh, well, they called them tuk-tuks. They're, they're tuk-tuks on steroids. They're like military personnel vehicles, big trucks with bench seats in them. And those are like their buses. They, they do have some buses too, but these trucks are much more common. I'm not sure why. I, I guess because they can be multi-purposed. You know, you jerk the seats out, you can haul cattle or something. I don't know. Or, well, not cattle, but probably pigs. Yeah. Um, 
So they're just barreling up and down this highway at 50. You know, that's barreling in Lao. That's barreling in Lao. That's streaking. <laughs> and the kids would kick a ball. Something goes in the road. They just run out there. The tuk-tuk hits them. This became so common over so many years. I can't even begin to count how many families lost a kid or two out on that highway. It's tragic. It must have been hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of kids slaughtered on that highway. And finally, the Laotians, they finally did get it. They finally got it. And instead of building a fence, you know, to keep the kids from running out there, it probably wouldn't have stopped them anyway. Um, the all, all the drivers of all the vehicles got it. And so if they were coming close to a house, if they're coming up upon a house or a row of houses or something, and sometimes the row of houses would go for a mile or two or three on each side. And they saw these houses coming up. They would slow way down, probably to 25, no more than 25. And they start beeping on that horn. Just beep, 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 you know, just trying to be, you know, artistic with their beeps. And, uh, the deal was to let all the kids know, hey, we're coming. Do not freaking run out in front of us. Do not do it. Do not do it. We cannot stop in time. And it worked. Um, the kids got used to it. Maybe in time it wouldn't work because they would start tuning it out. I don't know. But what I saw was that the kids, the kids were getting a little jaded by it already. Um, but they would still, they'd hear that me, 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 and they'd glance and they'd go back to playing with the ball. But, but at least that got their attention. You know, maybe that little neural connection got forged there, you know, like, oh, truck, truck. Don't run out there dead, you know. <laughs> maybe, maybe that got forged. Um, and the times that I've ridden those uh, personnel carriers up and down that same highway, um, nobody got hit. And, and the drivers were really, really vigilant on watching for them. And, and a lot of the passengers would watch out there too. And if they saw any kid break from the group and start running towards the edge of their yard, towards the highway, they're banging, banging, banging on that window, on the back window for the driver. The driver would go down to 10 miles an hour and maybe he didn't even see it, but he's, he's on the horn anyway. And I think that probably saved hundreds and hundreds, maybe countless hundreds of lives. It was a cool thing to watch play out. God, they tried. They tried hard. They tried as hard as you could try. Period. Uh, and then they got past the houses and they're back up to 50, you know, because they got to get somewhere. The tuk-tuk the, 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 the rides that I took across there, some of them were eight, nine hours. So it was a fair distance, you know. Uh, and, oh, God. Just horrible, hot, windy, dusty. Some sections are dirt. You got 100 trucks in, ahead of you. Okay, anyway, so, anyway, I was on that road, on this motorbike. Um, and that was another place where if, if you get opposing traffic and they want to pass, they just pull over and you go off the road. That's all there is to it. You don't have a place to go off the road, too bad, you're going to crash. 
That's all. They're just going to run you off the road. That's all there is to it. So every time you see a line of traffic coming your way, you know that one or two or three of them is going to jerk out there and try to pass somebody in front of them. So you're riding pretty much on the shoulder, you know, at 50 miles an hour, still trying to get where you're going. If you slow down every time, then you'd never get where you're going. It's uh, yeah, statistically Thailand is the most dangerous place to drive. I think India is, but I but I I've never seen the stats there. But the, but it's not listed as the most dangerous place on, on the web. Uh, well, in fact, Thailand isn't either. Thailand is listed as number two, number three, number four, depending on the year. Uh, the um, independent researchers have come in and drilled down through their books in Thailand and said, uh, excuse me, um, no, you're number one. You're just cookies books. You're number one. You're the worst, most dangerous. Anyway, my vote would have gone to India. Lao, to me, seems like it's worse than Thailand. It just seems to me like it's worse. I haven't seen any evidence of that whatsoever. Lao doesn't put out any books. In fact, I don't even know if they do today, but you could not find any roadmap for Lao. When I was hanging around there, there was no roadmap. For, it didn't show any road in the entire country. They just didn't put them out. Nobody put them out. I mean, sooner or later, they're going to have to. Maybe they have by now. That was a lot of years ago, but... Uh, okay, so I'm on this motorbike, wheezing, smoking, scraping, <laughs> you know, it's a three-legged donkey, okay? And I'm hungry, and I, I'm on this highway, and I get to an intersection, or you go one way, you go to some lookout thing or something. I, I didn't care about that. I didn't want to go. I just wanted to find some food, and there's a, there's like two and a half food stands there in this intersection both on the left-hand side. And I spied what looked like the biggest one. Well, it was the one that was like one and a half food stands. Because it was like one regular food stand, and then there was a little one like just a few feet from it. And I thought, okay, well, best chance of getting something to eat. So I stopped there. And the, the biggest one had a... Lotion, no, 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 wait. It's a deal. Had a lotion woman. I think the man was Chinese. She was um, 30, 35, the man was 60. But that's Southeast Asia. That's it. That's the way it is. That's the way it is. It's not going to raise any eyebrows except in Bangkok, you know. Really prissy. Victorian people in Bangkok. Um, so I stopped. I went to the big one. And I'm looking to see what they have. Well, what the hell? They don't have anything. All they got is bananas. What? 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 That's all you got? Really? You don't have drinks? You don't have, you know, musketeers at the bar? You don't have anything. And... Um, I looked right behind the woman about well, 30, 40 feet away. There's a row of banana trees with bananas just hanging there. They're ripe. They're ready to eat right now. And I'm thinking, well, why don't I just walk over there? Mm -hmm. You know, I, 
but I thought maybe that was somehow culturally rude, and so I didn't do it, and so I bought, oh, I, I know what it was. I, I told her I wanted three bananas, two to eat now, one for the road. <laughs> she said, okay. And she said how many, how, how much it was going to be. And it was, it was just nothing. It was like, I don't know, 10 or 15 cents, the equivalent of just nothing. It was just, just a couple of little coins, you know. And I thought, well, that's, that's pretty cheap. That's, that's, that's really cheap. Okay. And, uh, so I gave her the money. I think she had to give me change. And I walked around for a minute, waiting for her to like bag up the, the bananas, whatever she was going to do, go get them and go pick them probably. I don't know. And that took me about 60 seconds and I walked back and no bananas are on the counter. And I'm like, well, do, do you have, I order banana, you know, <laughs> I can't speak Laotian, not one word. Um, and she just pointed to my motorbike. They were already in the basket on the motorbike. Oh, gee, thank you, thank you, thank you. How can crowd, you know, she didn't understand the tie. And so I walked over and I thought, wait, 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 what is this? There's, there's three huge clumps of bananas, not three bananas, there's three huge clumps. What the, what, the, what the hell? I can't eat these in two weeks, you know? What, what the hell? And I hadn't even seen any monkeys to give them to. And because uh, that, that's usually fun. I don't know that they love you for it necessarily, but now take them and screech at you and run, you know? That's fun, whatever. <laughs> and um, I took him back and I and I said, no, 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 I, I only want three, three. I want I want three banana, three. One, two, three. She said, no, 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 you pay, you pay, you pay already. No, 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 you go, you go now. I go, what the hell? I would have what? What 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 do I what am I gonna do with this? I figured I would just have to throw them away somewhere. Um I what I should have done was I should have driven I should have made like I was gonna go and then got, you know, fifty feet away right before I got on the highway, and then beeped the horn a few times and then laid these bunches down on the ground, minus the three that I wanted. And then I would have been gone. They couldn't force me to take them, and they would have eventually gone over there and got them. They could resell them. You know, that's what I should have done. It didn't occur to me. Um, so anyway, I took the motorbike, and I didn't want to be blocking their stand, so I wheeled it around behind their stand, you know, 10, 15 feet behind their stand. And there was a little log or something there I could sit on. I thought, well, you know, I need a break. I'm just going to sit here and I'm going to eat a couple of bananas slowly. No kind of anything to drink. I'll just eat the bananas. Be on my way. And I noticed that this, this little stall next to theirs, just a little abbreviated mini stall thing, and I, had, I hadn't seen anything there before. She hadn't, it was a girl. She was about, oh God, I don't know, 14 or 15 probably. She could have been older. Could have been certainly no older than 16. Laotian girl. Really, really pretty girl. And she 
that was her stand. And then after a few minutes, I put it together. Okay, that was her mom and pop over there with the big stand. And they just let her put up this little stand because she wanted to try to sell stuff too, but she didn't have anything to sell. So she probably just went out there every day and went through the motions, put up her little stand, but she didn't have anything to sell. I mean, she could have walked over and picked bananas, I guess. But Anyway, she had a little boy. He was about three. More than three and a half. So she must have had him... Could have been 12. Probably, maybe 13. Probably 12. When, when he was born. And that was his thing, was to hang around that stall all day because he had nothing else to do. There was nobody to take care of him, no pop, no nothing. Uh, he just had to go with the family. And he was too, too old to be of any use, you know, so he just bopped around here, bopped around there. And I hatched, oh, and then he came over. And he's walking really slowly around my basket, and he's, he's just looking at those bananas. And I could tell he wanted some. He was hungry, I guess. And I'm thinking, well, wait a minute. Why, why didn't Mom and or Grandma and Grandpa, why didn't they give him some of their bananas? You know, because I was positive it was all the same family. And I don't know the answer to that. Why, why didn't they give the, their daughter some bananas to sell? I never, I never figured that out. Um, so he's just walking around looking at these bananas, you know, like, like a starving dog would look at a steak. And finally I picked up one bunch. I think, God, they were huge bunches. There was 15 probably in a bunch. And I, I tried to hand it to him and he ran away. Okay, shy. And a few minutes later he came back. And I said, okay, okay. Okay, let's try this differently. I broke off one. I gave. I tried to give it to him, and he ran away. Like, ah, oh, shit. You know, they're shy, and then they're stupid. You know, <laughs> and he just kept walking around, looking, looking. Probably the first Westerner he had ever seen. Maybe the first one for the daughter too, because this was in a place where you're not going to get Westerners ever, ever. Um, and finally I finished the two bananas. So I, so now I had three bunches and one banana and I kept the one and I took the three bunches and I walked over to the girl's little mini counter thing. It was like two TV trays, three TV trays. You know, that was the size of it. And she had a little uh, roof over the top made of banana leaves. She probably had to get them every day and put them up there to keep the sun off. And uh, I, th I thought, okay, I'll, I'm going to put these there for this girl. And then she can sell them. Maybe, maybe not. I mean, bananas are really hard to sell, you know, when there's trees everywhere. Um, so I put them over there and I put them just on the end of her counter, you know, I didn't walk up, I didn't try to talk to her, I didn't do anything, I just put them on the end of her counter. And then I went back and was getting on the motorbike. And she wouldn't go near him. And I thought, what the hell, what's going on here? Maybe she doesn't understand that 
these were a gift. Maybe she thought I wanted my money back and something like that. I don't know what she was thinking. Uh, the mom and the pop were watching and I was afraid that they would go over and get them because it didn't seem like, you know, they really took that much care of her or the boy. I, I don't know. I, you know, in the, in these cultural chasms, you know, you don't know what you're misinterpreting. You can misinterpret all kinds of stuff and you don't even know it. So who knows? I don't know what was going on. That's the only things that I could, those were the only things I could come up with. So she stayed at the far end of her counter and she looked the other way. She just turned her back on the bananas. And I said, oh, hell, this is, this is bad. I, I got to make sure she understands these are hers. I got off the bike, walked back over there, and slid them down her counter so they're pretty close to her. And she turned and she saw them. And she looked at me and smiled a little bit. And the kid is like, oh, what, 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 what the hell's going on here? What's going on? <laughs> this little bastard. And... Then I smiled and I walked back to the motorbike and I'm getting on it and I'm, you have to bungee all your stuff into your basket or the first little bump, you know, it just, it just flies up into the air. It's gone. So you got to bungee everything into your basket. So I was hooking the bungees up in my basket to make sure my banana wasn't going to fly away. And as I was doing that, I noticed that the mom went over to the girl And I thought she was going to steal her bananas. I thought, oh, shit, you know, how far involved in this am I going to get? If she takes those bananas and takes them back, what am I going to do? Am I going to go snatch them from the mom and give them back to the girl? How's that going to go? Then she's probably going to beat the hell out of the girl, you know. So I didn't know what, how this was going to play out. And I just watched, just sat there and watched. And the mom took the girl by the arm And the little boy by the hand. Uh, the place will make you cry. And the mom walked him over to my motorbike and the father's standing there. And the mom picks up the little boy, puts him right behind me on the motorbike. And I thought, oh, wait, 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 wait. No, 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 no. Don't try to give me the kid. No, 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 no. Because I'd had that happen a few times in other countries. People just walk up to you with babies. And you're thinking, oh, okay, money, money. They want money. No. Well, sometimes they do. Sometimes, baby hungry, I need some money. Sometimes they got that thing. Sometimes they're just trying to give you a baby because the baby's starving. Maybe get sick. They can't take care of it anymore. There's no hope that they can ever take care of it. They're probably right on the verge of throwing it in the dumpster, and that's really common. And they just hand you the baby. If you're stupid, you'll take it. And then they walk away. Sometimes they'll run. Uh, and I learned pretty quickly, no, you put your hands behind your back, and you back away, you back away, say, no, 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 no baby, no baby, no baby, yeah. And, and a lot of times they'll just keep coming at you trying to shove this baby in your face. And one time it was for about a three-year-old three, three boy in Saigon. So anyway, I'm thinking, oh, God bless it. She's trying to give me the baby. Oh, geez, no, no, no. <laughs> what am I going to do now? And I started to get off 
to, so I could take the baby off. And but she was already had the girl, and, and she was making the girl climb on the back and back of the baby. And I just sitting there trying to process this one, like, oh, this this is a new twist. What? Got the baby, got the girl. What does she want me to do with the girl? What? What? In some cases, like this, you might run into a situation where. The family wants you to take the girl out in the jungle and uh, boink around for a while, come back and give them some money. Ah, uh, goddammit. But that wasn't the case with this because she'd put the baby on there. And she took the girl's hands and put them on my shoulders. And, she, and the, the mom like patted me on the shoulder, patted the girl's hand on the shoulder and said, good, good, good. And then she stepped back like I'm supposed to just drive away with a brand new family. And that really locked up my brain. I, you know, how in the hell to get out of that? Because you don't want to insult them. I mean, ask yourself, what would you do? Well, I know what the Brits would do. <sighs> don't even get me started. Um, and I sat there not that long, probably 20 seconds, trying to puzzle this through. And I finally put the kickstand down and it got off and I, I just in a very ham-fisted flying kind of way I'm trying to explain no I, I cannot and in Thailand I could have easily gotten that across and Lao, Lao I, I, I just clueless I had no not a single word in common just none but the mom did understand a tiny little smattering of English I mean she understand she understood no, and she understood good, and, you know, like that. few words. But she did understand no. She understood that I was telling her no. You know, the girl and the kid can't go. They just can't. They just can't. They just can't. It's just no, no, no. It's not in my life plan. <laughs> you know what? Uh, no, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I, no. <laughs> no, they're just... No way. There's a new way. I, I'm, and a part of my little reptilian brain, it's thinking, well, wait a minute. Could, could you raise him? Could you raise him? You know, the, the daughter and, 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 and an adopted son. Could you do that? Is any, any way you could do that? No. <laughs> no the, just, this big neon red no just kept blinking. Wouldn't go off. And the mother's speaking in Lao, and she's, oh, I was trying to help the girl get off. Oh, I, I took the boy off, put him on the ground, and I'm trying to help the girl get off. And the mother's trying to put her back on. And the mother is like patting her and then pointing at me, pat me. And then she took the girl and moved her so we're pressed together. Like you and you, now you, now you together, now you married. Now you married, you know, this is your son. 
and I just about in tears. I didn't know what to do. Still am. God bless it. And I had to get a little bit assertive to get the girl off. And she had tears running down her face by this time. Probably from a number of things, you know, just the embarrassment of the whole thing, the, the, the drama of the whole thing, the trauma of the whole thing. Uh, I have no idea if she had any desire to go with me or not. I have no idea whatsoever. Probably not. I don't know. Maybe. I don't know. Uh, the little boy, you know, he, I didn't interact with him enough to build any kind of rapport, so he had no feelings for me whatsoever. I had zero feelings for him, just a little boy. Cute little boy. Playing banana games, you know, give him a banana. That's okay. Uh, the mother was frustrated. The father was getting a little grumpy. He was clearly, clearly in on this idea. He was okay with it, whatever, whatever the hell the idea was. I suppose they thought. Here's Rich Falang. He'll just he'll take this beautiful young girl and they'll go move to Poxé. They'll have a beautiful home, and uh, maybe we can come and live there later. He'll send money because he's a rich Falang. All Falangs are rich, filthy beyond description. Well, it, in Laos especially, we are. It's insane. Uh, that was probably their plan. And they hatched it pretty quickly. I, I don't know that they had, you know, planned this out two months before or six months before, and they're just waiting for a gullible feline to come along. I don't know. I don't know if they ever tried this before. I don't know. I had no idea. Um, but I got her off, got her and a kid off. And the mother was a little, a little teensy bit pissed. And I... I tried to console her, like, you know, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I cannot, cannot. I just cannot. There's just no way on this earth I can do this for you, for anybody. I can't do it. And I I tried to give him some money, and I don't remember how much. It was uh, lotion, bills, and I, I don't remember. I don't remember the equivalent of how much I was trying to give him. It was like probably 50 bucks, something like that. U.S. Because um, I'm thinking, well, if they're if they're this hard up, where they're wanting to get rid of their family, maybe this will help them, you know. And then for a while, they won't have to have this thought anymore, and maybe they can find some peace in staying together. That was that was my thought. Um, They were thin. They were thinnish people, but they certainly weren't starving. They had, they were getting food somewhere, somehow. There was a big river nearby. They're probably getting fish out of the river and, and fruit, you know. Jungle's full of fruit. You know what, what you can eat and what'll kill you. Uh, and I finally, her mother, her mother wouldn't take anything. I, I can't remember if I tried to give any to the girl. I might have. I can't remember if I did or not. She wouldn't have taken it. She was so shy. She she was mortified with this, this whole experience. Just it set her back. It was a horribly traumatic experience for her. 
terrible experience for her. She's being rejected right there in front of her family. Jesus, it must have scarred her for life. She probably thinks about it to this day. Well, I'm pretty positive she does. That's so sad. I wonder if I went back there today to that same corner, if I could ever find it. Would she still have her stand there? A couple of more kids, you know, from, from rogue lotion guys who came around, fucked her once or twice and made a baby and ran off. You know, that's what they do. All, all of Southeast Asia, that's what they do. They don't hang around. Uh, at any point, I finally got on the motorbike unencumbered and, and rode away. And that was a real black day. Stayed black all day. Um, so those things are going to happen to you. You know, if you're sitting in your condo 24-7, you walk down to the bar with your drunken expat, sex pet buddies, and you have a few beers, and you guffaw, and you take a bar grill somewhere. You're not going to have these adventures. you if that was an adventure. I don't know what it was. I don't know how you turn, I don't know what the name is for that. Uh, misfortune, maybe, I don't know. Experience, I guess. Certainly it was an experience. But if you, if you didn't come to Southeast Asia to truly live in Southeast Asia, you're not ever gonna have these experiences. You're not going to. You're gonna have lots of stupid bar experiences and tourist destination experiences and stupid shit like that. Anyway, the end of that trip was I finally ended up back in Poxy. Turned in the motorbike and just kept running. It kept running. That stupid piece of shit kept running. Uh, there's no gas stations in that region. You pull up to roadside stands um, and I don't know what the, what the sign said in Laos, in Laotian, but you, you see the whiskey bottles, you see, see the old whiskey bottles and you, they're on a rack usually and you pull up there and you try to guesstimate how many liters your tank might hold. And that's how many whiskey bottles you buy and you dump them in glug, 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 glug. And then, you know, you think it'll take more, you put the next one in. If you by the last one and you only get a tenth of it in there before it's full, well, it didn't matter. You've got to give it back to him. You're not going to get a refund, you know. <laughs> uh, the gas was so cheap, it didn't really matter. So that's how you get gas there. You can buy the bottles if you want to and carry them extra, you know. Hope you don't crash. <laughs> Tires are all bald, you know. Chains are loose and sprockets are pointy, you know, and they're just nasty things. I don't know what the hell I was doing out there. If, if one would have crapped, I couldn't even, there's a, no cell out there. I couldn't even call back to Poxé to, to the renter and say, hey, I'm broken down in the middle of nowhere. I'm fucked. You know, I, I would have probably just had to abandon it and go back and buy a new one. Either that or maybe find a, a tuk-tuk tuk that had room. You can, anything that can fit in one of these passenger troop carriers you can put in there, it doesn't matter. 
Um, here's another Laos story that has haunted me all this time. It's a stupid story. It has nothing to do with girls. I was going somewhere. And I think it was maybe on the same highway to hell. <laughs> and I was in a tuk-tuk. There were probably 50 people in there, almost full. I had been one of the first ones in, so I was way up by the cab. And we're waiting for everybody to shuffle around and load their shit, their chickens and their goats and their dogs and their kids and their whatever the fuck, you know, anything that can fit. Big bags of shit, you had no idea what it was. Whatever. Because Poxay is where they went to shop, you know. Yeah, it might be 100 miles, but, you know, to, to get those special things, you know. That's where you go. You go to Poxay. And so anyway, one of the last ones to load was this woman, older woman. And she came up to the back of the tuk-tuk, which is not really a tuk-tuk, but, you know, we're just going to keep calling it that. That's, uh, what the fuck? There's probably a Laotian name. I don't know what it is. Um, she came up to the back and she had six black fuck were they? Were they geese? I, I think they were ducks, but they were really, really tall ducks. Didn't look like a normal duck. They were really tall, like a mallard-looking kind of a thing. But they didn't really look like a goose either. Maybe, maybe they were. I don't know what the hell. And anyway, they followed her. They were waddling, waddling across the parking lot, you know, and they stayed right with her like little healing dogs and um, she got to the back of the tuk-tuk and she took them, okay, and she moved them all together so they're all facing each other. No, 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 they weren't. They were all facing outward in a circle. How many? Um, well, I said six. Possible there was eight, no more than eight. And they pretty much just stood there. Maybe they And she had a string. And she tied it around the necks of all together, like a, like a stalk, like a, a bundle of flowers. And I thought, oh, oh fuck, this is going to be ugly because they're going to panic and they're going to go berserk and they're going to choke to death. Right? This is really fucking bad. <laughs> the way they treat animals is, is not very pretty. Uh, but they didn't panic. And she cinched it. Looked fairly tight to me. Tied a knot. I thought, oh fuck, she's just choking to death. Because she can't bring him on the tuk-tuk. Have him running around, getting in everybody's face and flying out the back and shit like that. So what I supposed was she bought him in some market. Got him the tuk-tuk. And then... She didn't want to carry him to the tuk-tuk, so she made him walk to the tuk-tuk, and then she bundled him and choked him to death. And I thought, oh, God. Well, you know, whatever. I mean, the, you know, the, the shit that I buy in the market has been killed also, you know, so I'll suck it up there. I spent mo most of my life hunting for food. You know, I, I just... It was just unexpected, I guess, to do that in the back of the tuk-tuk. <laughs> Jeez. 
And so then, then they're down for the count. They look like they did. And she grabbed the bundle and she swung it up into the tuk-tuk and shoved it under her bench seat. Right right at the back, right, pretty much at the back. And she had some other shit. I can't remember. Maybe a cat or some fucking thing. I can't remember. Another animal or two. Maybe a goat. There were some number of goats in there. And, and some dogs. and Oh, God, the fucking snake. Jesus Christ. And then we took off. Now, where I was going was about nine hours. I was going like pretty much the end of the line. It's going to be like nine hours. Um, and I thought, well, you know, she's probably not going that far because these turkeys, you know, it's 195, 100 degrees. They're not going to be really edible if she goes nine hours, you know. And we're trundling, 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 and, and we would stop at, at certain places for a little break. Nobody got off because they were afraid of getting their animals stolen, I guess. I don't know, losing their spot, I don't know, whatever. And these, um, as soon as we stop at certain places, these Laotians would run, swarm the truck, <laughs> and they had every kind of bits of critters you could imagine. And they had them, they were barbecued pieces, or sometimes whole. And they're on long sticks. And they would stand down below, and they would hold them way up, because you're sitting up pretty high, and they would hold them up so the people in the trucks could see what they're offering. And if you if a piece looked tasty, then you bargained for a price, and you paid, and then she you pulled it off the stick, and then she had another stick with another head or some fucking thing on it, you know. Literally, seriously, ears or whatever the fuck, any any goddamn part you could imagine there was on sticks down there. Um, and there's just dozens of these vendors. And some of them actually came up into, inside the tuk-tuk and they're hopping around. They're trying to sell shit. And I, I bought a lot of that stuff. It was really good. It was tasty. <laughs> you know, you don't know how it's been handled. Might have been in the sun for nine hours. You know, you don't know. And uh, so that's what that's what the that's what the rest stops were like. Uh, if people needed to pee, they just stopped the truck wherever somebody needed to pee, and they jumped off and they'd go literally ten feet. They didn't want to go into the fucking jungle. You know, you got snakes and you got landmines, so they're not going into the jungle. They're going to go ten feet, and you're just going to sit there. And you know, not supposed to watch him, but, you know, it's the most interesting thing you've seen all day. So, I mean, um, and that's how those rides went. Anyway, we're going along and we got to the point where that woman wasn't getting off. She wasn't getting off. She wasn't getting off. And I was starting to think, man, I, I think I can smell. Them. Oh, God, I think I can smell rotting duck. Geese, goose, whatever the fuck they were, I, I was pretty sure I could smell them, and they're rotten in the sun. Well, they're kind of in the shade under the seat, but rotten in the heat. I was pretty sure I could smell them. And it weren't pretty. And I'm thinking, what the hell is she going to do with these things? Because she clearly can't eat them now. Maybe she's got some dogs or some damn thing that would eat them. I don't know, but I, you know. And it's so I just, just 
watching our subconscious. And I got to the point where about nine hours into the trip, or 30 minutes from my destination, finally she knocks and, and they pull over and she gets out. I thought, okay, well, you know, she's going to sling them over her shoulder and she had a bunch of other bags and shit. All kinds of crap. She'd been shopping, obviously. And there was no houses anywhere, not that anybody could see. And uh, it was all nondescript for miles and miles. It was the same country. It was the same. Everything looked exactly the same. But she knew exactly where to stop the truck. Precisely. And I swear the truck knew where to stop. So anyway, she gets out. She takes these duck-looking things and she slides them out the back, lets them flop onto the ground. And she starts uh, arranging her stuff. And the truck stayed there for some minutes. I don't know, maybe there was other traffic or something. Anyway, but he sat right there so we could watch this whole thing unfold. And she reaches down to these ducks and I thought, okay, she's going to pick them up, sling them over her shoulder. No, she didn't pick them up. She pulled a string and and instantly the rope around their necks came untied. And I thought, oh, that was, that was fucking stupid. What the hell? Now you now you got to hold each neck, you know? What the hell are you doing? Why'd you do that? Now they're going to be ten times or six times harder to carry, you know? What the hell? And this is getting kind of interesting at this point. And then I'm thinking, where the hell is she going to go? There's no houses. There's no nothing. Nothing is out here. But she stood there and looked at him. And one by one, over the, over the space of 15 seconds, they all came back to life. And they staggered up, stood up straight, looked around. <laughs> Are we home? And she picked up her other bags and she headed off the shoulder, headed for the jungle. And apparently there was some little trail there that I couldn't see. She pushed away a couple of big leaves and the black duck things were <laughs> waddling along behind her. And she just disappeared into the jungle. And then the truck pulled away. And I thought, oh yeah, I ain't in Kansas anymore. <laughs> so that kind of thing is every day. It's every day in Lao. It's, uh, Lao is very, very fascinating in different ways from other countries. Um, yeah, I got other stories. I'll, I'll save them for later. I'm tired of Lao right now. Okay, so what do we got for? Oh, we're doing good on time, but I'm feeling tired and weak. Is there any short ones we can knock out here? Okay, we did that. Uh, there's a saying that we say all throughout Southeast Asia for, for those guys. Back to the girl subject, because that's 
you know, somewhere around 90% of the audience of these things, that's all they want to know about is the girls. They don't care about anything else. They don't care about zombie ducks or anything else. They just want to know about the girls. We say, tie girls for fun. Pie girls for marriage. That's all I'm going to say. We'll go through that again later <laughs> and explain it. Uh, and I just don't have the energy to go anymore. Yeah, I just don't. I just don't. Uh, okay, so we're going to call it a day. This is going to be really, really short. Man, we're not even an hour. Uh, it's going to take me a while to get some strength there. Okay, so thank you. Very, very much. Oh, wait, wait, wait. I don't think I did this. All tapes are copyright. 2023 by stockphotosworldwide.com. If you see these hosted on any other site, not an RSS feeder, but I mean somebody else's site, where they're calling it their content or whatever, even if they're not calling their content, they cannot host it. They can link to it. Tell us through Twitter. Go to our Twitter link. Tell us. We will sue them. Done it before. We've got good awards before. We'll get them again. It's called copyright theft. And uh, we know how to do it. We're good at it. We will send you one third or 33% of the total net proceeds. You got to wait for it to settle. Usually, well, almost always they'll settle out of court because they know they're dead wrong. And they know if they go to court, it's just going to add more shit to it. So, but sometimes they do let it go to court. And the judge always awards more than, well, no, not always. They sometimes award more than we were asking for in damages. So 33% of that, you know, um, it's not uncommon at all to get 10 grand. I've known guys who got 30 grand. You can't steal stuff. Snowflakes. Can't do it. You got to use your little noggin. Your delicate little noggin, and you gotta think up your own content for your own website. Uh, you, a lot of a lot of people do a hot licking thing where they make it look like content is hosted on their site. They just put a link to it on their site, but but the content really is still hosted from our servers. Um, but the link to it appears on their site like it's their content. That's a, you can sue for that, kind of, in certain circumstances. We have tended to let it go uh, because we're still getting our content out there. They're still welcome to come to our site. We still get the copyright on the tape because they haven't altered the tape. Um, so we've kind of looked the other way with that stuff, but if they actually take the file off of our server and put it on their server, we can and will nail them. If they alter the file such that our copyright is gone, then we're really fucking nail them. And those can be really big, big fines and awards. Really big. So if you see those, 
you get a third. Wherever we recover, you get a third. And by God, you, I think by now you know we will send it. We will. Hey, okay, so thank you very much and good evening. And good night.